Indeed, God has given us the Savior. Jesus came, and that's what we're celebrating. Uh, It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas outside, right? Everywhere you go. How how are you at adapting to the curves? Uh, I went through my first roundabout uh, of the snow season, and uh, it was quite interesting. Um, but but I, I made it through um, after hitting a curb or, or two. Um, but uh, we, we made it. So there's an adjustment that needs to be made with slippery roads, right? You can't go the same as when they're not. Are you with me? Some of you are like, no, you can. Uh, so good, good for you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. It's a scripture that we looked at last week, and we're going to take a look at a lot of scripture this morning. So hopefully you have your Bibles. If not, uh, you could take notes and just write down uh, the passages of scripture as we go through them, as we look at them, because there's uh, a lot there. There's a, there's a lot more than should be on a Sunday morning, but but. We're going to put it in anyway and uh, want to just pray that God, again, would open our eyes to see as we open up his word. This is God's love, love letter to us. This is the story of who he is in the story of us in there. And as we open that up, how it relates to our lives, how it applies to you and I today. And we're going to look at that um, uh, pretty extensively this morning, but Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. We just sang about that. And he will reign forevermore. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And again, as Mark was saying, as we looked at this prophetic word from Isaiah, it would take over 700 years for Jesus to come. And we read that in Luke chapter 1 where the angel comes to Mary and says, Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. What a What a cool word for us today to know that there's this never-ending kingdom that we get to be a part of. As believers, this is, this is never ending. That's, that's pretty good. When we think about all that encompasses that little phrase, his kingdom will have no end. To think about the best moments or the greatest moments of our life will pale in comparison to what this kingdom in all of its revelation would look like to us. And then, you know, you multiply that with the fact that it's ongoing for eternity is extraordinary. And super exciting, right? All right. So we talk about this word Advent. This word Advent is a time of waiting. And and thinking about that, when we hear that word, and, and what's interesting to me is that pretty much my whole life, I thought Advent was a Christmas word. 
that we pull it out during Christmas. I mean, when you think of Fourth of July, you don't hear Advent or Easter. You don't necessarily hear the word Advent, but what Advent means, it literally means the coming of or the arrival of, that we're waiting for the arrival. And in studying over the past couple of weeks, personally, I learned that Advent wasn't uh, incepted uh, for Christmas that it wasn't a word that was originally used for uh, Christ coming around Christmas time or the time we celebrate Jesus' coming, uh, his birth. But Advent really was born out of the church's hunger for Christ's return. And this aspect of looking forward to when Jesus is going to come back. And so even studying a little bit, we know that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, that there's these two titles given to, to Jesus, the son and the child. And the child, this first advent, would be that he would come as a human, but the second, the son that is given to us is his return. The child that is going to be born has been born. But the son is coming back and he's returning. And that's pretty exciting when we think about it. And so we could look at the, the first title is for the first advent. The second title is for the second advent. And now we live in the in-between. See, we live in between the promise coming in Jesus in that stable so long ago to the fulfillment of the promise that he's returning and he's coming back again. I can remember 20, uh, I have 23 years ago, but that's not right, 22 and a half years ago, let's say. Uh, in 1997, on my birthday, December 22nd, um, just mark that on your calendars, something happened that altered the course of my life. My uh, wife and I, Kate, we were out on a date uh, back then. She wasn't my wife yet, but we were out on a date and we went out to dinner and something, uh, again, was about to change uh, the whole, whole traje trajectory of my life, where, where we were going, what we were doing. And so uh, for the first time, I believe it was, maybe not, uh, we went to Olive Garden. How many love Olive Garden? The Zupa Toscana, right? It's good good stuff. And, and so after dinner, we went out and we went to a park. We found a park nearby and we began to walk and it was around Christmas time and the lights in the park were up. And as we began to walk around, um, I began pacing a, a little more. And, and, and if you were to ask Kate about this night specifically, she would say, man, Tim, Tim was acting strange. He was acting very strange. And, and you would too if you were about to ask your girlfriend to become your wife. And, and so, you know, uh, you've probably seen videos of uh, the, I was, I was watching a couple of them this week, try to find the right video for this, and, and I couldn't, but uh, just thinking about some of those awkward moments or just trying to get the ring out or, uh, you know, dropping the ring and it goes rolling off or, uh, you know, these different moments and the nervousness of coming up to that time. And I remember 
just feeling so nervous. And it, it, it's time. It's time. And so, you know, get down on one knee, pull the ring out. And I, I love this. It wasn't like this. I was trying to find pictures of it, but let's see if there's a picture. All right. So here you have some uh, guy who is proposing to his uh, girlfriend on a frozen lake with the northern lights in the background and the snow-covered mountain uh, thing. And, and I want to tell you, it did not look anything like that for Kate and I. Uh, it was a little, little less dramatic. But for me, it, it changed my life. She said yes. And, um, but, but that began something. Something was enacted that day in the fact that we were now engaged. She said yes, and that trajectory now over the next months led us to preparing for that wedding day. Preparing for that time where we would spend the rest of our lives together. And I wanna tell you that waiting for Jesus to return is similar in some ways to waiting to be married. And we can find that out. When, when I looked up the word engaged uh, in uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, uh, there's a couple of words that, that stuck out to me. One is this word of being committed. And so when we think about our lives in Christ, when, when we've fallen in love with Jesus, because his love is so tremendous, it's so wonderful. I can remember even as a kid discovering the love of Jesus for me and to say yes to Jesus, there is a commitment I made to give him my life. There was a commitment that I made that God, you can come in, and even at a young age, and I'll be honest, at a very young age, I didn't understand the complete concept of what it meant to follow Jesus, and it's taken a lifetime, and I continue to work and grow at it. And uh, sometimes I feel I'm really good, and other times uh, you could probably relate. We, we, we feel like such a failure when it comes to our walk with Christ. But God is faithful, kind, and he loves us so much. And he wants that relationship, that personal relationship with each and every one of us. And so he calls us and he says, I want you to be mine. I've given you my son. Be mine. And we say yes. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've said yes to him and you're committed to him. So as believers, I want to tell you this. We're not just waiting for the coming of Christ. But we're in a season of preparation. That we're not just waiting for his return, but God is preparing us. And he's using us in preparation for him coming back. This earthly engagement time allows us to prepare life for, for our spouse that we have with our future spouse. But again, for us to spend eternity with him, we're in this time, in this season of preparation. I think back to those days that Kate and I were engaged and all that needed to be done. We needed to find the church. We needed to find the flower, the caterer, all those different things. But I want to tell you something about that time is there was a lot of anticipation and excitement for that, that day. And when we think about our relationship with Jesus, there should be welling up in our hearts a lot of excitement and anticipation for that day. That day we get to be 
with him. So John 14, 13, because Jesus, when he went away, he says, I'm going to go and make preparations. So Jesus goes and he says this in John 14, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I'm going to prepare a place. This time of preparation and the time is coming when we can read or, or live out what Revelation 19, 6 through 8 says. It says this, then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd and the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Lord Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. His bride has prepared herself. That's the church. That's you and I. Those who have said yes to Jesus, we're in this time of preparation, waiting for that wonderful day when we get to be with him for all eternity. But there's work to be done. This time of preparation, of course, we know this, that waiting doesn't mean inactivity, that we're to live actively, that you and I, when we think about uh, our relationship with Christ, isn't just sitting and waiting, but, but we're being active about the Father's business. Another word in Merriam-Webster's dictionary is not just to be committed, but to be occupied to be occupied or involved in an activity. You know, we're going to be engaged in this. And so our life, it's not to be a passive waiting, but getting uh, on with the job and making the most of every opportunity. We look at Matthew chapter 25. You know the parable of the talents that, that Jesus uh, shares. He talks about giving um, his servants some uh, financial means and he was going to go away. And so he gave to one five, he gave to one two, and he gave to one one. And he went out and as he was going out, the, the servants were to work uh, about the master's business. And when the master came, uh, we know in Matthew 25, we're told that the guy who had five uh, made that 10, the guy who had two made that uh, four, and the guy who had one made that one. And what we read about this is it, it, it's, a, it's a passage of scripture talking about being active about the father's business. Because the one who sat on the one, he didn't lose any money, right? Yeah, one, one, all right, it's still there. But he was passive about what God had given him, about the, the master. And the master gave it to him and says, I want you to invest this. I want you to invest your life. I've given you things that I want you to, to invest in, that when he returns and when he comes back, he could look at us, each and every one of us, and say, good and faithful servant, you were active going about my business, not just sitting on it. 
but we're to be occupied with it. Can I tell you this, that the Lord has given us everything we need in order to do what he's asked us to do? When we read about the parable of the talents, he's given the guy who got five talents all he needed to work with that five and to produce. The two, the one, he's given us everything we need to produce for him. And when we read about this, when we think about this time looking forward, we're in that in-between waiting for that day to come. The return of Christ is always presented in scripture with great motivation for action. And we think about it in 2 Thessalonians, it says, uh, never tire of doing what is good. See, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it talks about people who were, who were idle, that, that they just slowed down or, or stopped. Or maybe they weren't idle, but they were being busybodies. They were doing things, but just doing things that didn't make a difference. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, that, that our minds and, and our, our means are occupied with the future of being with him. That our days are filled with those thoughts about that day when Christ returns. Think about it for you who are married. Think about that time of engagement. Think about that moment. You know, maybe, I don't know if I've ever heard a man do it. I'm sure it's been done, but the calendar thing, you know, like checking off the, the calendar for, for the days to come. Oh, it's gonna be in like 15 days, 12 hours, 30 minutes and 10 seconds, nine seconds, eight seconds. You know, where there's an anticipation and excitement and, and, and there's so much to be done. In looking forward to that day, that we would be committed, that we would be occupied. Another word for engaged, if we were to go to the dictionary, is this the word that we would use, betrothed, that there was a pledge to be married. This betrothal, it's a commitment to one. It was at that moment when I said, will you marry me, that I was committing my life to Kate. She's the one. It's a pretty scary thing. <laughs> And for you and I, when we've said yes to Jesus, we've committed, but now we're, we're focusing in on our oneness. This time of preparation, this season of preparation for you and I is, is this aspect of the oneness, the unity that we can have with God, much like in marriage, right? We're preparing as we're in the uh, engagement season. We're going through our stuff, looking what we want to keep as a single person and what we want to bring into uh, the marriage. What, what uh, decor? Um, you know, there's probably been one or two arguments about the, do we keep the deer, on, uh, deer head on the wall or uh, is that going to go somewhere else? You know? 
know, is that going to be the focal point or are we going to, you know, just these different aspects of, of coming together as one, right? We read Mark 10, 8. It says this, that as two, a husband and a wife, a man and a woman coming together and the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but one. And, and what a messy process that could be. Now I'm sure everybody, just, it just came together just like that. Day, day two of being married, you guys are like, hey, we're one. Um, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing after 22 years uh, of what it means to, to be one with Kate and how we grow together. And as we think about this oneness in scripture, to go after being one with the Lord, he calls us to a couple of things. As we consider our relationship with the Lord and his return, Titus 2 gives us a little glimpse of what it looks like to have a relationship with him for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day, again, this time when we get to be with him for all eternity, Jesus is returning when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. And look at this, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make his us as very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. And when we think about this oneness, we think about this connection that we have, that God has given us his Holy Spirit inside of us, and we, we begin to live that out. And I want to tell you that it's a heart issue, but our heart is connected to our actions. And as we look at scripture of what it means to be one, oftentimes it's driven by action in what our actions are indicating what is going in uh, or what is going out from the inside. Right now, now hear me out. The Bible's not talking about a performance mentality that we're shallow on the inside and somehow we're performing on the outside to, to try to make people think we're something that we're not or really trying to perform for the Lord. That's not what this text is about. That's not what this message is about. It's about God coming into our life and transforming us and the outflow of what is going on the inside changes us. Things like our sinful nature or godless living is transformed and we begin that process of, of, of working with the Lord as he begins to, to clean things out. He's cleaning the apartment out as we prepare for that day. Second Peter 3 says this, since everyone or everything around you is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly life should you live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along? Again, there's, there's two components to our relationship with Christ is this holy and godly living. Holy living is, is living lives that are set apart for the Lord. This is part of that process when he said, he's the one for my life. He's the one I'm giving my life to. He's the one that I'm committed to. He is the one who I'm going to live for. 
Ephesians 4, 21 through 24 says this, since you heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created. Here's this oneness to be like God, that God is creating us to become more like him, truly righteous and holy. The next verse, Colossians 3.10 says this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's how oneness happens by knowing who God is. Spending time with him. Getting to understand his love for you. Asking, God, what do you have for me? And that's really what godly living is. It's a life devoted to pleasing God. So holiness is a, about living lives that are set apart, but we want to have godly living where we're devoted to him, where we're committed to him and following him. Preparation is a process of removal and addition to rid ourselves of the selfish nature. Probably one of the hardest things, not just about stuff, but in this period of transition um, from being single to, to being married, we're used to doing single things. Because look at me like, no, oh, no, not me. All right, I, <laughs> you know, would say that, that, that I'm used to doing things that I wanted to do. And all of a sudden now here's this other person. What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, you mean I can't do that? And so now it's not just about the decisions that I want to make as oneness. It's about joining with Jesus and the decisions that I make, the decisions that I decide are not just about Tim. It's about what God wants because I'm committed to him. I want to tell you in, in going through for today, there's something striking about the love of God and my love for him. And I want to tell you what's, what strikes me over and over and over again is how we measure our love for God and, and some of the tipping points of what that looks like in each and every one of our lives. Oftentimes when we look at scripture and we, we see the, the love of God or our love for God, what is attached to it, the test of our love for him is our love for others. And we're gonna take a look at that. John, 1 John 4, 11 through 17. It says this. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. And so this connection that God loves us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. Did you catch that? If we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So this is about God loving us, us loving others, and it's proof of God's work in our life. 
Not only that, but it's a growth opportunity. How many have found that marriage is a growth opportunity? Right? Yeah, I I can remember some of the counsel that we received about uh, this early on in our marriage. You're taking two broken people and you're you're having them live together 24-7. 365. Two broken people coming together. But you have God in the, the mix if you've even abided him in. And God has given us His spirit is proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father has sent his son to be savior of the world. Verse 15, and all declare that Jesus is the son of God, have God living in them and they love God. We know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And we live in God, our, our, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. And looking at how we live out to those around us is a good test for us. I can remember all the way back to last year as we were preparing for this year. If, if you remember, one of the themes very early on in 2020 was this idea of rekindling and this rediscovering our passion for Christ, but also the passion that we have for one another, this love that needs to be exemplified in our life. The love for one another. Uh, in Colossians, we read in 3.10 about putting on a new nature. And, and here, just a couple of verses later, Paul describes what that new nature looks like. He says this in verse 12, Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do you catch that? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, this is the love of God in your life you must clothe yourselves with. See, this is the direct correlation of our love relationship with the Lord is it's going to come out in kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It goes on. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That includes your spouse, you know, to forgive those who offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from God rule in your heart. We love to say that. Let the peace of God come rule in my heart. But did you catch it? It's found in this passage of us relating and loving each other. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your life. Teach each other or teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Verse 17, and whatever you do or say, say it as it represent or as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him, to God the Father. I have another long passage, but Romans 12, 9 through 18, it says this, don't just pretend to love others. 
really love them. And it goes on to say, hate what is wrong, hate evil. Hold tight to what is good. In, in other words, this isn't to give a pass and, and to be all lovey-dovey where evil abounds. But yet, as we reach out and minister to others, hate what is evil, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. This is a word that God has just put in my heart about how do we honor one another in a, in a season of disagreements or a season of challenges, a season of struggle, how do we look at continuing to honor one another, honoring, honoring one another in our actions, in our words, honoring one another in our homes? Husbands, are you honoring your wife? Wives, are you honoring your husbands? In your workplace, are you honoring? Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. What a very challenging thing when we think about this time of preparation to be with the Lord. The Lord says, okay, let's prepare. <laughs> you might be sent some people that might get on your nerves. And look at what this passage says. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Rather, pray that God will bless them. It's your favorite verse in the Bible, right? Oh, they just anger me. God, just bless them. It's an area of growth for me. <laughs> There are other things I want to say other than bless them, God, at times. Be happy with those who are happy, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everybody. I love this verse and the worship team can come back as we close. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, it says this, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May he as a result, so this is our love for others. It says this, Paul's writing here, he says, may he as a result make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when the Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Again, there's a tie to our holiness and how we're relating to one another. We're in a time of preparation. God is preparing you and I. And so while we wait, 
We're to continue to fuel that passion and, and love relationship with him and with others. I love what Jude 21, verse 21 says, keep yourselves in love with God. In this time of preparation, keep yourselves in love with God. You know, when, when, you, when the person has said, I do, you know, it says, okay, great, I'll see you in six months, right? Oh, you're going you're gonna to return someday? That's, that's great. We'll talk then. Right? We don't do that. I hope you didn't do that. <laughs> when we said, I do, it, it, it sets us on that course of waiting for that day. And as we're waiting for the day, we have such a tremendous gift in God's spirit in us that he meets with us and wants to meet with us each and every day until the day he comes and we can uh, be with him. Keep yourselves in love, in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. In waiting, we continue to spend time together thinking about that in our relationships with one another, but in our relationship with God. We're, we're currently in the world's longest engagement. Right? And, and the challenge is there's no save the date card. In other words, we don't know when that time is, but we know that time is coming. I can honestly tell you, I don't know the date, and as for the things that are going on around us, some of it seems very interesting to me. And you'd say, well, pastor, do you know a, you know time? I, where are we at? Are we, are we getting closer? All I would tell you is this, with sure confidence, we are closer today than we were yesterday. And we know this, that he's returning and he's looking for a people who are gonna live holy and blameless lives before him. And we have the opportunity each and every day to practice it as we relate to those around us. What a tremendous gift that is given to us. Each and every day, we could grow and become more like him. One final verse and then let's close in prayer. Romans 13, 10 through 12 says, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for your salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Paul's talking about Jesus returning. Are you ready? Are you ready for him to come back? So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Again, it's this putting off and put on the shining armor of right living. Realizing Christ is returning should make us invest the days that we have into what truly matters. Into God and those around us, inviting them to join us as we come to that wedding day stand with me as we close. For most of us, I believe, we're, we're waiting for the day. We're waiting 
excitingly and with anticipation. But maybe there's somebody here today that has not given their life to Christ. Maybe you're watching online today and you've not surrendered your life to Christ. And he, he has this proposal to us that he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come into this world. This is, this is the opportunity we get to celebrate during Christmas time that Jesus came and he would live a life here on earth and walk amongst us to ultimately die for your and my sin. Come to pay that penalty of sin. The Bible talks about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's really putting our hope and trust in him and what he has done for us, that death on the cross. So he's paid the penalty for our sins so we don't have to. What a great exchange God has done for us. It's just acknowledging our sin and saying, God, I trust you and I put my hope in you. So Heavenly Father, as we close today, God, we thank you for your tremendous love for each and every one of us, the invitation to come and begin a relationship with you and maybe somebody today just in their own words, in their heart, acknowledges the sin. Sin is falling short of your standard, God. And they would just be willing to say, yep, that's me. And God, I need a savior. I need Jesus to come and rescue me. It's just acknowledging that you've sinned and believe again that God has sent his son and that Jesus paid that price for you. For the rest of us, God, as we wait with anticipation, God, as we wait that we would be a committed people, God, that we would be an engaged people, that our hearts and minds would be occupied with that day. strive for oneness with you first and foremost God we pray that you'd help us to live that out in our everyday relationships God we look forward to that time help us God help us God God I thank you that when we talk about all these things today that you're not saying hey go and do it on your own but God again you've given us your spirit to help us in this transforming. God, this new creation that you've given us, that we're made new. And God, help us to walk in that. God, as we anticipate and look forward to your return, may we continue on, God, that we would not have any regrets when you come. God, give us eyes to see and wait for your return. Help us to be mindful of that today. We thank you. In your name, Jesus, we pray.